Texas Tech basketball is seeking a win after a close loss against Kansas. They will take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs this weekend before the absolute riot that will ensue on Tuesday. We're going to talk a little bit about both of those games coming up on today's Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech. Your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, which we launched earlier this week. So be sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not already. We are this this podcast will be on there if you're listening on your favorite podcast app. So go check us out over there. But as we mentioned today, talking a little bit about um, that team down south on the 40 acres, we're going to start to take a look at them and what they've been up to this season. Um, Definitely hasn't been getting quad one wins, but we'll uh, talk about what Texas has been up to. And then, of course, we've got to talk about Texas Tech's next opponent, which is Mississippi State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. It's an interesting team. They've had um, some injuries that have really hindered them, but some exciting things going on with this team. Um, A lot of, I I think, potential, really depending on how this team pans out. They are 13-6 and right now. They're about middle of the pack in the SEC rankings. They are coming off a overtime loss to Kentucky, so really, really close fight there. Um, beat Alabama earlier in the year, so they've got an interesting resume, um, and the, it really all starts with Ben Howland. Um, he He's kind of their guy, and um, just a really interesting team here, man, and I think that, you know, we, we've got to take a look at, um, man, it sucks to talk about injuries, but I think we've got to with this team. Tolu Smith really a key key guy for them he just destroyed his knee the other night and um obviously won't be playing in this one i thought that he would be a big factor in this game if he was playing but um their offense is is pretty decent man and and they're built like a couple of other teams that texas tech has seen this season they get the ball inside pretty well they're really efficient from the floor they're shooting about 47.7 percent that's top 30 in the nation um, but they really struggle to shoot the three their defense has not been great so the body of work is interesting you know they've got that close loss to Kentucky that went over Alabama Um, they've got an interesting offense that has struggled in certain areas and then a defense that's been really versatile Um, but I've really enjoyed digging into this team because they're kind of funky and they they've got some quirks and they've got some things to work out through the course of their season but excited to see what comes on Saturday yeah, I mean, for me, the fact that they lost to Lou Smith was really kind of sad to see because he had been injured throughout the season at times and had missed various games. And when he when he's in the game, Mississippi State is a better team. I mean, his defensive versatility as a big is just incredible. And I think that for for them to have success going forward, he was going to be probably one of, if not their most important pieces. So losing out on him was very sad to see. Beyond that, though, I mean, this is a team that has a lot of very versatile parts to them. I mean, you're talking about a team that doesn't really shoot the three particularly well, and they don't really have any one shooter that, like, stands out to you. I mean, as a team, they're shooting collectively about 32%. 
And really the only guy that I would classify as being an above average shooter is Shaquille Horner. Yeah. Yeah. And he's even then it's like a little bit, he's a little bit of a streaky guy, kind of hot and cold. So you've got guys like Rocket Watts on the roster. Obviously Iverson Molinar is probably the standout player over the course of the season. Um, And you have someone like Garrison Brooks who's added in a three point shot, but as a whole, this roster relies a lot on cutting Uh, shout out to the shot quality guys again, but, out of all of the teams in the nation, Mississippi State is one of the teams that utilizes off-screen cutting and off-ball cutting more than just about any other team in the nation. And the film backs that up. It's a lot of interior interior designs to get guys open on cuts to the basket, kind of Gonzaga-esque, if that makes sense. And that's something that Coach Allen has been known to do over the past few years. And I think this roster is one that's going to be unique in terms of the way that they play just because they have that sort of off-ball style cutting they don't really play much isolation at all which is something that tech faces a lot of in big 12 play they face a lot of teams that are pretty iso heavy so it's a different offensive style to face but it's clearly been successful they've had a lot of success especially from the two-point range and they've got both wings and and really bigs that can finish inside and then obviously molinar is probably one of the better slashing guards in the country and I think that what they do off the ball really shows up in their stats as well because they just put the ball in the basket really efficiently. And that's what is interesting for me with this Texas Tech defense is because if Texas Tech was playing Mississippi State a few months ago, I would have been really worried about this matchup and if Texas Tech was falling asleep on assignments. But now there's a lot that's improved. I mean, we, we mentioned more. He's not a guy that's going to shoot the ball a ton. Um, but he he did go three for four in that Kentucky game. That's kind of his bread and butter is just taking um, just a handful of shots a game that are really efficient, and he manages to get them in. But I think a lot of people would point to Iverson Molinar as their best offensive player, putting in about 18.5 points per game right now. So just crazy number. Um, about 4.3 assists as well, 3.5 assists, 1.3 steals. Um, that was 3.5 rebounds, apologies. But just a guy that... Uh, plays a lot, shoots a lot. I mean, he's he's still shooting pretty efficiently from the field. He's about 50% from the field, not shooting the ball from deep particularly well, a great free throw shooter, but obviously their their main offensive threat has got to be Molinar. Yeah, and for the style of play that he plays, he's very efficient. I mean, you mentioned his assist ratio. His assist to turnover is very impressive for a guard that hasn't really been a lead ball handler as much as someone some other guys that Tech has faced over the year. So for him to be able to really take on that primary initiator role this season is very impressive to me. And I think that beyond that, he takes a lot of mid-range shots, which is in some ways negative for them just because it's not someone that particularly shoots the three well. So it kind of changes the way that they have to play offense. But at the same time, he's very efficient in doing so. I mean, he's shooting almost 48% from that range and he's done so consistently. He's able to create his own shot and, just looking at the way he can get, he can both get to the rim and pull up, and it makes makes defending them more of a challenge. And I also think that the bigs that they've had have helped him out with that. I mean, obviously, losing out on Tolu Smith is a pretty big loss just for what they can do in the pick and roll game. But they've still got Garrison Brooks, who to me is one of the better additions that they could have made this off season, just because of his ability to play kind of within the half court and continue to develop as a screen setter and his ability to hit both on the inside and from the mid range. Yeah. That's your, uh, that's your old pal right there. Garrison Brooks, a uh, former UNC Tar Heel. 
that school out there. What can I say? I mean, at the end of the day, he got that got that Hubert Davis treatment and decided it was time to head on out and let Armando Baycott just absolutely torch people. Ooh, got a feeling he's not going to be the only one. But uh, Garrison Brooks, man, he's a, he's a big part of their rebounding strategy, both on the offensive and defensive sides. I mean, he this is a really good team in terms of not allowing you to get rebounds. They're allowing opponents to just get 29.2 per game. That's eighth in the country. Um, Brooks is a big part of that because he's just such a such a stout rebounder. And then Tolu Smith, obviously, he'll be out for this game, but he was a big part of that as well. Cameron Matthews is a guy that's kind of stepped up in place of Tolu Smith and is providing some of that value on the glass. But a good rebounding team, so it'll be interesting to see how Texas Tech can counter that a bit. Yeah, I have a comparison for Cameron Matthews that Tech happened to face in the tournament last year, and I'm curious to see if you can guess who I'm thinking of. Man. Wendy's 4 for 4. Marco Anthony. Oh, goodness. No, that was not going to be my guess. I was going to guess the uh, the gadget dude from Arkansas. Now I'm lost. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Explain, explain your comp. I'll figure out who I'm talking about. I mean, basically, for me, Matthews is one of – he can play both as a real like passive defender, good positioning. That's something that I've noticed throughout conference plays. I think he's their best wing defender, but he's also – has the ability to be a real disruptor and he has good instincts both from the weak side and can play on ball. So kind of think like the Kevin McCuller type of skill set, but not quite as instinctive. So that's where I kind of got the Marco Anthony from, because he's not really one of those guys that's like ultra athletic per se. I mean, obviously he's got, he's got a few dunks on the season. He certainly isn't like a slouch athletically, but his instincts are really good for someone that is a wing and is, task to play both on and off the ball i think i was thinking of jalen tate on arkansas i don't know why i thought that oh, was the northern Kentucky pick, guy yeah yeah tate's a bit smaller than him yeah like a six three six four guy i think so matthew's like six seven right yeah he's six seven i think all right well we will get into our predictions and our keys to the game against mississippi state in our next segment but first a word from our sponsors Hey Red Raiders, this is Ryan with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, GetUpside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon cash back or more on your first fill up. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore, get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 per gallon or more on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. Thanks again for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are here previewing the SEC Big 12 matchup between Mississippi State and Texas Tech in Lubbock on Saturday at 5 p.m. Going to be an exciting matchup. I think these two teams are really interesting to look at on paper and how they could um, just just face off against each other, not in a vacuum, but actually on a basketball court. So excited to see it play out, man. And I think one of my keys to the game has got to be continue to defend the paint um, like you have all season. You, you've built your brand on 
protecting the inside. And what we've seen is that Texas Tech has used that identity of protecting the inside to just run away with games where their opponents can't shoot the three very well. So, like, I'm thinking, like, Oklahoma State. They they just, Texas Tech just ran away with that one. Um, Iowa State, especially the second Iowa State matchup. West Virginia, if they, if the if there are teams that can't shoot the three particularly well and rely heavily on the inside, Texas Tech has been so good at taking that away this season that I think they can beat just about anybody. And so I think continuing to maintain your identity on that side of the defensive end is key for this one. Yeah, I think if Tolu Smith had been out the inactive for this, I think that you would be looking at it very similar to how Tech schemed for Gonzaga in the sense of just forcing their guards to basically be able to get in the lane or be able to get the ball to their bigs. And essentially for playing really aggressively up top to limit cutting opportunities. And for without the two bigs, it's still a little bit different, but I think you have to look at it in the same principle of just rely on what's made this defense so good all season. And that's the ability to contain shots within the paint, really limit drivers. I think one of the challenges in this game is going to be that Molinar is such a good pull-up shooter from the mid-range because he's someone that can kind of stop off of those drives and not put himself in bad situations. And that's something that I've seen that he's really improved on film from years past where he was maybe a little bit over ambitious and kind of put himself into bad situations. But certainly, I mean, similar sort of strategy as we've seen in Big 12 games. I mean, this Mississippi State team is not a particularly great three-point shooting team. And especially with some of their wings not really being shooting threats, I think you can get away with sort of sagging off and playing not really having to be as reliant on stopping the three-pointers. Um, but certainly, I mean, defensively, you're going to have to be on your toes because this Mississippi State team has been great at being able to generate efficient looks on the inside and not even having to rely on driving or posting up. They've been able to get them off of cuts and passes, and that's something that at times Tech has fallen susceptible to this season. I mean, certainly even in the Kansas game, we saw that a few times. But, I mean, just trust the defense and make sure that the lapses aren't really there. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point about Molinar because he can't really sell out completely to the drive or the jumper whenever the ball is in his hands. And also, you mentioned he's a really good creator. He's really efficient with the ball. And also, when he gets to the rim, he's really good about forcing fouls. And he, he makes his free throws. Like he, It would not surprise me if he doesn't miss a free throw in this game. So Texas Tech has got to be careful about sending him to the line. And then I think one other thing for me is just protecting the glass. Um, don't don't be easy on the rebounds. Play aggressive. Box out. Don't assume that you're going to be able to get the second chance points that you've gotten in other games. Make sure that you're boxing out, grabbing the ones that are there, grabbing the long rebounds on the perimeter. I think that that could be a way for Mississippi State to hang around in this game maybe a little bit more than I would initially expect. Yeah, I mean, Mississippi State has quite a few good offensive rebounders on their roster. I mean, even guys beyond what we've mentioned, Anderson Garcia doesn't really play a lot, but he's a wing that's been really good at getting offensive rebounds. Javion Davis might be getting more minutes with Smith out. I mean, obviously, we've already mentioned Garrison Brooks. That's one of the biggest strengths that he has is his rebounding ability, even if it hasn't necessarily shown out as much this season. Like, you've got guys that are really good at crashing the glass. And I think that when Mississippi State is having success this season, it's been because they're able to really establish the paint well. And in games where they've struggled has been – Conversely, where they haven't been able to get those offensive rebounds. I mean, probably their worst showing of the year was Louisville, and they happened to get not a lot of rebounds there. And then, obviously, last game against Kentucky, 
they were able to stay in it and obviously force overtime. But against a guy like Oscar Shiva, he really limited their opportunities. It made life for them more difficult offensively. So I think that certainly being able to get offensive rebounds is something Mississippi State's going to be looking to do. But for on Tech's end of things, it's just going to be down to enforcing the paint. And, I mean, hopefully you can make them pay for the lack of shooting. We've seen it throughout Big 12 play and even in non-conference that when Tech is able to force teams to – look to the outside that aren't necessarily comfortable with doing it. Generally speaking, they've had success. I think a thing that's helpful too, and this might be reading too too into things, but this staff, I mean, really for the first time of like the meat of the season has a chance to go back and look at what really worked against West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. I mean, obviously they've been doing that. They've been using film throughout the season, but they haven't had this much time off in a while. And so I feel like to really say, hey, we've got a profile of a team in Mississippi State that looks similar to a West Virginia or an Oklahoma State or an Iowa State. Let's obviously scout the opponent for who they are, but let's also take some of the things that worked well in this game and incorporate them against the Bulldogs as well, because I think that that's a strategy that could work really well for Texas Tech. Yeah, and the other thing for me, and I pointed this out on Twitter a couple of nights ago, is Tech has done such a good job the last few years of really being next level, well-prepared for opponents. And you give a team five days to prepare. And not only that, but in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, it's not one of the Mississippi State's a team that you've kind of been able to exclusively focus on at times during the offseason and heading into the season. So this is about as well-prepared as you're going to find, or as well-prepared of a scouting report as you're going to have throughout the rest of the season. And I think that in a game like this in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, being able to have that well-preparedness and being able to kind of hone in on individual traits of Mississippi State's roster, that kind of plays into the strength that we've seen from Tech staff. Because I look back to some of the other games we've seen this season against teams like Tennessee or even Providence, even though they lost that game, the strategy that they had to come up and stop Nate Watson was nothing short of spectacular. And the same thing goes for Gonzaga as well, stopping Drew Timmy and Chad Holmgren. And Sure, they lost the game and Gonzaga shot really well, but it's like those individual traits and the ability to really read well into players and devise a strategy to keep the best player for the most part out of the game. That's something the tech staff has done well. And I think that having five days off here and having the ability to kind of prepare in advance for Mississippi State is going to be a pretty big advantage. That preparation is uh, one of the many reasons why I'm going to pick Texas Tech to win this game and also win it by double digits. I'm going to take Texas Tech winning this one. 71 to 60. So it'll be the fourth straight game that the Red Raiders have scored over 70 points, turning up the offense a little bit. But I think that Texas Tech just matches up really well here. Um, The amount of rest that they have gotten before this game is going to be so, so big. It'll be huge for everyone on the roster, but especially Kevin McCuller and Terrence Shannon Jr., who are playing through injuries and Malik Wilson. Um, it's just going to get everybody whole, going to get everybody the time to get their legs under them a little bit. I think that that's a really, really pivotal thing um, for this game. And so I've got Texas Tech winning 71-60, to 60, and my player of the game is going to be Bryson Williams because, I mean, at this point, I, I really have no other reason not to pick him. I also just think uh, Garrison Brooks is, is not a great matchup for him if, if you're Mississippi State. Man, I can't afford to take Bryson Williams as player of the game just because I don't want to see Garrison Brooks getting explicitly picked on. However, I will take Tech to win this game, and I think it's going to be somewhat comfortable. If you look at Mississippi State's defense across the year, 
they've really struggled in the three road games that they've had this season. I mean, you're talking about a team that's allowing an effective field goal percentage of 57% through three road games, which is absolutely ridiculous. And they're fouling opponents a lot. Their interior defense has not been as well on the road, and they lost to a team like Ole Miss pretty significantly, as well as against Florida as well. So I think this is going to be a really good opportunity to see what Tech can do offensively. And for that reason, I'm going to take take this one as kind of a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be in the range of, I'll say, 79 to 69 in favor of Tech. And for player of the game, I'm going to go with TJ Shannon, just because I think that you look at what uh, you look at what Mississippi State has, obviously on the interior. I think Bryson Williams does match up favorably, but I also think that Mississippi State probably is going to be well prepared to play out of or play against the post. And this is an opportunity for Shannon. I think. Going against teams that haven't necessarily played him as often. I mean, Fran Fraschilla mentioned in the broadcast that Kansas has had more than enough time now to see TJ Shannon's tendencies. And I think that he's thrived at times against teams in the non-conference. Look at what he did against Tennessee, and that's a really good defense. And I just think it's he's kind of overdue. I feel like the athleticism, the sort of burst is somewhat back, and certainly he's a lot better than he was a week and a half ago. So I think he'll have a good game and it's just going to be too much for Mississippi State to overcome. I like the pick. I like the pick. I think that um, we did see a little bit of that burst return for, for Shannon. That's obviously a huge, huge part of his game. But that's our take on the Mississippi State game. We're going to have another word from our sponsors. And then after that, we're going to talk about the dreaded Longhorns. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours are about getting fit or eating healthier, be sure that you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolutions because it tastes so good you're going to want to eat it. It's not like other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you're probably thinking this just isn't worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, guess what? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And there are so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So be sure to check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com today. All right, man. We, We talked about Mississippi State, but... I think the game that everybody is just craving information and content for is obviously the February 1st matchup between Texas and Texas Tech. Um, Raider Riot announcing today that it's going to be a blackout at the USA. I mean, you, you wear black to a funeral, so it only makes sense. Rick Flair, Rick Flair will have to bring his uh, best black outfit into Lubbock. But I've got to say, man, I've got to say, before before we get into anything, I I was I have been the most impressed with Texas this season after that TCU win on Tuesday. They they go into Fort Worth and they just dismantle TCU seventy three to fifty record setting attendance in Fort Worth. Not saying much, but there was a lot of people there, um, and I thought that TCU was actually a really difficult matchup for them. I think that TCU is probably the most athletic team in the conference, and I think that Texas is probably the least athletic team in the conference just because they're so big. And so I think to go in there and win by 23, 
I'd say it's your it's your best win right now. I mean, honestly, I I feel like it. I feel like it is. Um, but this is an interesting team. Gone, uh, gotten a lot of uh, national criticism for their non-conference schedule and the ways that they have uh, just disappointed in, in quad one, but interested to hear your thoughts. Well, first off, I don't think tech fans and tech people in general have a lot to uh, talk about when it comes to non-conference scheduling because, unfortunately, tech schedule has not been much better than what Texas put together. I mean, you have the games against Gonzaga, and certainly Tech did, did have a game against Tennessee that is added in there. But outside of that, it's very similar issues. But that's as, about as much um, rational discussion about Texas I think I'm willing to have and as much positivity slash negativity for Tech. Because at the end of the day, te- Texas did manage to come away with a 73-50 to 50 win over TCU, and that is probably their best win of the season. And certainly – it's a game against a team in TCU that I think has been very overlooked at times this season. However, if you look throughout the course of their conference season, they just cannot consistently get any sort of offense going. And I mean, even in that game, I'm looking at shot quality and they still only put up a performance of 55 shot quality points, which means that they scored 18 more than they were expected to. And if you look at that, it's a trend throughout the season as they're consistently not getting more than about 60 points on the board, whether it be actually or through like projected points. So the offense has just been putrid at times. And I think certainly they're better than certain tech fans have given them credit for. There's been a lot of competitive losses that they've gone through. Certainly the Oklahoma State game that they lost early on in conference season, the Iowa State game was a close one. They've had, generally speaking, some real close battles throughout the season, but at the same time, I mean, this offense, the team is just not a, not much fun to watch. They play at a slow tempo. They don't really shoot particularly well. For some reason, Andrew Jones is not getting as many minutes as I feel like he should. And Trey Mitchell is grossly underused to me. That's the biggest thing to stand out. And we'll talk about it more next week. But for me, the way that they've mishandled Trey, Trey Mitchell and the fact that he's playing less than 50% of their minutes this year is absolutely ridiculous to me because he's – probably one of the best players in the conference offensively on a permanent basis. And certainly the tape will back that up. He's a three level scorer. So the fact that they haven't utilized them and then you add in obviously Jalen Tyson, which in some ways I'm thankful that they didn't find a way to use him. Well, it's just, there's a lot of head scratching things going on in Austin, but it is a good team. Certainly defensively, they've got a lot of talent and I think it's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. Well, let's, Let's talk a little bit about about the decisions with Trey Mitchell because this is a really interesting thing for me, and I I think I have an answer to the question. Um, not that it's a good answer or, or that it's one that should be proposed, but Texas is operating so much of their offense right now through the post. Like they are posting up more than pretty much any other team in the country. I saw an Evan Maya graphic the other day that. Texas was just sky high on post-ups and it, it's really been Timmy Allen who's like 6'6 like he, he's he's not a big I mean you've got guys like like Trey Mitchell on, on this roster even Christian Bishop Dylan Disu could could be those guys that post up but I think that really where, where my answer comes in and, and where I think that um, I, I have the proposed, I guess, answer for why Texas is doing is not using guys like Mitchell or 
Jones in the ways that they can is because when you operate the motion offense out of the post, you're taking away the entire DNA and the entire structure of what makes the motion offense work. Because the motion offense is about moving the ball. And so whenever you get the ball in the post to a scoring opportunity, that immediately kills your possession. It's a Chris Car- it's Chris Clark syndrome. Oh when, gosh. When you run <laughs> when you run a guy who's has an extremely high usage and your offense in general is built through getting it into the post and then it inherently is gonna make you a less efficient offense if you're trying to run the motion just because I mean at the end of the day this is a Texas team that outside of the bigs is really built to play a lot of off ball movement and they've got guys that are good motion shooters and certainly you brought in a guy like Marcus Carr is in the sense that he was going to be a dominant ball handler play a lot of pick and roll and even move well off the ball but yet when you play so much through the post it just makes the offense kind of grind to a halt and I still don't understand why they're not playing Trey Mitchell as much so because his UMass film proved that he's plenty capable in the post and yet like objectively this is no disrespect to Timmy Allen but I think that Mitchell's at a minimum a more versatile offensive piece and just really confuses me as to why they haven't looked to him more and especially in the Texas game or especially in the Gonzaga game excuse me that was what really kind of set off the alarm bells for me this season was just looking at the fact that they were struggling so much with Gonzaga's size and yet he only played 14 minutes and it wasn't like he was dealing with injuries so just a lot of confusing things about Mitchell and the rest of this roster in general I mean even Bishop like Bishop was a guy that when he hit the portal I was like man Texas Tech has has got to be on this guy and I think they were like one of his his final considerations but he he's just not getting minutes and it, and it really doesn't make sense cuz I feel like he's like a guy that would operate really well in in the defense that they're trying to run um but I don't know man there's there's a lot of question marks with this team I think that the narrative in the offseason was how are they all going to play together and Chris Beard made it a a point of emphasis to to let his team know that and use that as a driving force in practice but like we're we're seeing that play out right before our eyes and this team is still trying to find something consistent they're trying to find reliable sources of offense they're trying to figure out how to use such talented guards that they have and also get the ball down low because that's been the only place where they've been able to score. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, imagine being Christian Bishop and walking from Creighton, which is probably one of the most beautiful college offenses to be in and coming down to the 40 acres and essentially be running in a complete, just slow grinded out offense that seemingly is most of their production trying to post up and get chuck up shots that have low assist rate. Like, it's just maddening to me. But, I mean, this team has a lot of talent on it. There's a lot of individual guys that I think pretty much anyone in the nation would want to have. I mean, you start out with Timmy Allen. Obviously, what he did at Utah was incredible. You've got Marcus Carr, who was one of the better primary ball handlers in the portal last year. Then, obviously, Ramey and Andrew Jones – even Jace Fevers, but all of those guys have had success at Texas. And obviously you've touched on Christian Bishop, then Trey Mitchell, and then you have everyone's favorite, Brock Cunningham, who still is getting minutes and apparently is well-liked by everyone down there and has had a good impact on winning. I don't know, but 
a lot of individual talent. Just not sure it's really fitting well together and certainly isn't a ton of fun to watch just looking at the offensive system. I mean, you even got Devin Askew, who is like a flawed player. Like he's young. He's got a lot to figure out, but was really like really talented in high school. I think he's got some growth in terms of PBH responsibilities. Quite a bit of growth. It, it'll it'll be a minute before he's playing in that role, but I just think it's interesting the way that they recruited him and like what he was saying when he was being recruited by Texas, and now he's he's pretty much at the end of the bench. But we will have a ton, I mean a ton, of Texas content next week. We will dedicate at least the first two days of the week to previewing the Longhorns, and then we will obviously break down the win by Texas Tech whenever it happens. Before we get out of here today, I have a word from our friends over at Locked on Chiefs. I know that many of you faithful Red Raiders are now just kind of adopted Chiefs fans as a result of Patrick Mahomes. So here's a word from our friends over at Locked on Chiefs about the AFC Championship this weekend. AFC Championship game comes down to two things for the Kansas City Chiefs. Can Patrick the Reaper Mahomes continue his run as we saw against the Bills? And can the Chiefs defense and its staff learn its lesson from the last time they played the Cincinnati Bengals? I'm Ray Tracy from Locked On Chiefs, and that's what it comes down to. You saw an extraordinary effort by the offense, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, to not only get to overtime, but then win it. They don't need to do that. They have to avoid it, in fact, in order to get this win against a team that is nearly as explosive. On the other side, you have to be careful if you're Steve Spagnuolo or anyone out there on the field on the defensive side of the ball to not overreact to what you saw the last time when Jamar Chase destroyed that secondary on a circus catch after circus catch. Tyron Matthews should be back and playing in this ballgame. That helps. You have to adjust, and you have to play over the top, and you have to try to take Chase and limit him. Not take him away, because then you're devoting too many other resources to that, and someone else is going to hurt you. I think they're going to play more zone. I think they have to back off and let Joe Mixon hurt them if he can. They'll live with that, and that will get them the win. For more on this game and your Chiefs, check out Locked On Chiefs. We're free on every platform. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, y'all. Well, we will definitely be watching Patrick Mahomes take on the Bengals this weekend um, and have been rooting for the Chiefs since my beloved Dallas Cowboys were ruthlessly eliminated in, in their first game of the postseason, which was just heartbreaking to watch. But thank you for joining us today and listening to our preview on Mississippi State as well as a little bit of a look at Texas. We will be back next week, obviously, to start taking a look at the Longhorns and, and talk a little bit about what they're about in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at LBK. You can follow Emery at Eraser41. And you can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter page at Locked On TTU. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not already. Um, turn our notifications on so you can watch our videos whenever they go live. It would be a great help to us. And be sure to subscribe, follow, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. And be sure to make your second listen Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow.